get something from your word, God, get something that we can apply and hold on to uh, in our lives as we uh, get back to our life at the end of this week. God, I pray that this would just be a, a time that we can look back on as a, as a moment or a week in our life that uh, things changed in a positive way. So, God, it's actually a blessing on this preaching that's in right now, but it's actually a blessing on uh, all the technical things that technological things that need to happen. Uh, and God, I just pray that you would just uh, help us be prepared. Amen. Good evening, guys. Um, I'm, I'm Mason. Um, I am the former youth pastor at Harvest Baptist Church in Iola, Kansas. And, man, I'm just super honored and excited to be here with you guys this week. Um, I, I, it's, it's just a, a special thing to, to get away at camp. I think a lot of times when we... Uh, you know, at, at your age, you don't realize the significance of, of, of the week that you're about to have. But I, I want to petition uh, tonight that, that you would just purpose in your heart that regardless of if you wanted to be here or not, right? Some of you, you wanted to be here, and that's awesome. But some of you, your parents strongly encouraged you to be here, right? Meaning you had no choice. I want you to purpose in your heart today. I'm petitioning that you just say, all right, maybe you don't believe in God, and that's fine. But I want, I want you to say, if there is a God, or, or if you do believe God is real, God, if you just speak to me this week, and I guarantee you, he will, he, He's going to meet with us this week. He's already, he's already meeting with us. And so there's something special about, about a camp, because you're getting, you're getting away from everything, all of the distractions of life, you're getting, you're, you're purposing in your heart to get, to get away, to isolate yourself from all the influence of the world. And so this week, man, I'm just challenging you to just have open arms to the Lord and just see what, just see what He does. I'm excited to see what He does. So this morning, uh, I say this morning, I'm so used to, to, to speaking in the morning, but this, this evening, what we're gonna talk about, um, is we're, we're going to talk about the journey uh, of the enduring Christian. Um, we're going to look at what it means to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And so over the next four days, I'm going to give you kind of a, a precursor of what's to come. We're going to uncover the keys to success in the enduring Christian life. So tonight what we're going to look at is the genesis of the enduring Christian. Anybody know what the word genesis means? Beginning. Beginning. Yeah, beginning. So that's that's just a cute way to say the beginning of the enduring Christian. It has to start somewhere. Okay. Tomorrow night, what we're going to look at is a few of the key components uh, for the enduring Christian, and then the following night, we're going to we're, Wednesday night, we're going to look at the call. Uh, to we're just going to look at some reminders for the enduring Christian. There's some things we need to remember if we're going to be enduring Christians. And then finally Thursday night we're going to look at the sustenance of the enduring Christian. Sustenance is just a, a, a fancy way of saying, man, these are some, some things that we need to sustain us if we're going to live the life of an enduring Christian. Okay, and then before we get too far into all this, we got to define our terms, right? Because words mean things. And I think a lot of times when we say words... Uh, we don't necessarily understand what they mean um, because the English language is constantly morphing, right? It's constantly changing. So whenever I say the word endure, when we hear the word endure, what do we think of? 
What, what do you think of? What do you think of? Keep going. Keep going? Believing. Believing. Okay, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways we can think about this. So I'm going to give us a baseline of what I mean when, when we're talking about endure. So, so according to the American Dictionary of the English Language, it means to last, to continue in the same state without perishing, to remain, to abide. Okay? Another, another way of looking at it is to bear with patience, to bear without opposition or sinking under the pressure, to undergo, to sustain, to continue in. Okay, so that's the, the definition according to the dictionary. Now let's, let's look at what scripture has to say about it. It's to undergo hardships, to be afflicted. Endure afflictions, hardness, suffer trouble, okay? And then the, the next, another definition is to have fortitude, to remain. So I think it's important for us to understand what we're talking about when we talk about endure, that's on, it's on our shirts. But what do we mean by that? So when we say endure this week, what I mean is, is to be, is to patiently abide in Christ as a faithful disciple in the face of opposition. To stand firm in Christ. Simply put, the enduring Christian stands fast in the Lord at all times, in all things. The enduring Christian stands fast in the Lord at all times, in all things, no matter what we may face in life. So why, why might it be important for us to endure, to be enduring believers? Because if the church isn't full of enduring Christians, then we're nothing more than Christian in name. Man, I'm really passionate about this. It, it drives me nuts when people call themselves a Christian, but their life is, is opposed to Christ. Do you guys understand what Christian means? What is, what is Christian? Christian means, it's, it's a literal term that, that means Christ. Like Christian, Christian, right? So like if I'm a, um, let's see, um, I, I had a thought on this, but the, the I, I, the way that the Christian, it, it's the I A N word ending. It's identifying with something, right? So Christ, Christian, right? I'm identifying with Christ. I'm I'm finding my my identity in Him and in who He is and what He's all about. And a lot of times we we conflate the term Christian with someone that goes to church. Right, And so we need to be enduring Christians so that we can show the world what a Christian truly is. Enduring Christians love God above all. Enduring Christians love people. Enduring Christians live above the influence of the world. Right? We are the influencers. Turn off TikTok. Right? You're the influencer. Okay? Enduring Christians stand firm in their faith in the midst of adversity. Okay, so let's look at our texts for the week. Okay, so we're, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do some setup, so let's read the texts that, that we're going to find as our home base. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, by the way, I did, a lot of, I did a lot of work for you this week. All of the verses are going to be on the screen. Because I want to make sure that we're able to see the book. I, I kind of move 
at, at a quick pace when we're when we're walking through the Bible. That way we can we can see what God's saying and continue to move. Okay, so just so you know, if, if you didn't have time to get to the reference, it's on the screen for you. Second Timothy two one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husband, husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all, in all things. Okay, so that's one of our base texts. Another one of our texts is going to be Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. So these are going to be, I want you to get familiar with these. Maybe in the morning when you wake up, you need, you need somewhere to read in the Bible. Man, these would be a, a good place to read this week. Okay? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay. So, now we're getting to our notes. Um, So, what, so the way that I, I want to give you the TLDR. Anybody know what that means? TLDR. Too long didn't read. Okay, I love that. I don't want to read your, your, like, 20-minute post. I just want to know what you're trying to say. Too long, didn't read. But what, what are you getting at? Okay, so the TLDR of the week is the enduring Christian stands fast in the Lord at all times, in all things, no matter what you may face in life. The enduring Christian stands fast in the Lord at all times, in all things, no matter what you may face in life. So that's the whole objective is for us to understand this at the end of the week. All right, so tonight what we're going to look at uh, is we're, we're going to look at the first steps in the life of the enduring Christian. And it starts with an unfeigned faith. So tonight what we're going to look at is we're going to see how the enduring Christian is born, the birth of the enduring Christian, the genesis of it. So what's the TLDR for tonight? You cannot be an enduring Christian if you don't first know Christ. It's pretty simple. There's no way that you can endure in Christ if you don't know Christ. Not possible. So, so our text for tonight is going to be 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 5. Because naturally, to get to 2 Timothy 2, you've got to walk through 2 Timothy 1 first. Uh, sorry, my just FYI, my humor is incredibly dry. Um, so if I try to make a joke, you can laugh at me if it's not funny. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so let's let's check out Second Timothy one one. 
Because what we need to know is that, what we need to see is that Timothy is known for having an unfeigned faith. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which was in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. And so Paul is convinced that Timothy has a real faith. So that word, that unfeigned faith, it's a, it's a real faith. Unfeigned is, it's a faith that is demonstrated authentically. It's a non-hypocritical faith. Right? That's something that bothers me more than anything is, is hypocrisy. Okay? Um, I'm, I'm all about authenticity. And so whenever I looked up what this word unfeigned means, it just, man, it, it just was like, man, that's what, we, that's what we all need. We need an unfeigned faith, a real faith that is tangible, that people can see, they, that they know that we mean what we say. Our words have no power a lot of times because our lives don't back it up. But man, we need, we need to develop an unfeigned faith. And this is the foundation of the enduring Christian. So let's, let's begin to unpack the genesis of this authentic faith. Right? So, so we're going to look at unfeigned faith and the birthed. Unfeigned faith birthed. Unfeigned faith begins with, with the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. To fully understand uh, the plan of salvation, we got to go back to the beginning where it all started roughly 6,000 years ago in a place called Eden. And so let's start by looking uh, at God's original intention for man. So let's look at God's intention. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 1. And so what's going on in Genesis chapter 1 is, is God's doing His thing, man. He, he's creating. He, he's making things. He's, he's speaking and it's happening. The Word of God is alive and well and it's powerful. And, and when you get to the sixth literal day, God cre- uh, over the course of six literal days, God creates the universe and everything that dwells in it. But the good news is that He saved His best work for the sixth day. On the sixth day, He created mankind, the capstone of creation. And upon the creation of man, God lays His original intention out for man. Okay, so let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so here are the defining features of mankind in the beginning, right? Man is made in the image of God. Man is in the likeness of God. They are to rule over the, over the sea, rule over the air, 
and rule over the earth. And so to summarize, God made man like him with the purpose of ruling the earth. That was God's original intent. So at this point of history, man was perfect. They were sinless and without blemish. They were just the, they were they were uh, naked and unashamed. They were they were innocent, just as God intended. And as such, God had had planned for uh, on His children uh, multiplying across the planet. Right? They're made like Him. They're made in His image. And they rule everything. So, so their their goal was to re, uh, replenish the earth, populating the planet with physical sons of God. Let's let's read this so that you know I'm not lying to you. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so, knowing all these things, these three verses that I just shared with you, we can come to some conclusions. God's original intention for man was to rule over all of creation and replenish the earth with sons of God. Man, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That, that, sounds, that sounds pretty incredible. But unfortunately, that's not the way it turned out. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way because man interferes. So let's look at man's interference in this plan. Man, we just we just couldn't get out of our own way, man. And so here's what God told them to do. It's actually pretty it's pretty great what God tells them to do. He tells them to dress and keep the garden, to freely eat whatever you want. There's only one stipulation to what God has called them to do, and that is to don't eat of this one tree. Do whatever you want. Just don't eat of this one tree. Let's read that. Second or Genesis 2:15 And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it and God, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die Okay so this is this is their bible this is the three verses that they've got to remember. Imagine if that were your Bible. Man, we could memorize the Bible in one day. That'd be fantastic. We would get all the stickers, right? I don't know. If they get all the candy uh, in the jar. It would be great. Um, I've memorized the whole thing. But unfortunately, they didn't take it to heart, right? At this point, God could have very easily made man uh, to do the right thing. Think about that. But have you ever wondered, why would God not, like, why did God let Adam and Eve, raise your hand, or you don't have to raise your hand, but rhetorically raise your hand, if you've ever wondered, why would God not, like, just make Adam and Eve, like, why would he not give them, the, why would he give them the choice to eat of this fruit? You ever thought about that? Maybe? So, so what it would have been? What would have happened? Okay, so imagine I, I grab a woman in the street and I tell her I'm going to marry her, and that she's going, and then I tell her she's going to love me. She going to love me? Would she want to marry me? No way. Why not? Because I because I can't force love upon anyone. 
You understand that? God is not going to force you to love Him. He loves you enough to give you the choice to love Him. That's psychopathic for me to go up to a woman. If I would have met my wife and said, Hey, I'm going to marry you and you're going to love me. We wouldn't be married today. Because that's not how love works. It's a choice. And so God, does, God, God wanted to give man the choice to love him. So he, so he gives them options. Okay. God doesn't make you love him. He gives you the choice to love him. And so in his love for man, God gave his creation the opportunity to choose whether or not they would do what's right. Whether or not they would choose to, to do what he asked them. And so when, when left to their own devices, man, sin prevails. Sin prevails when we're left to our own devices. We all know that when given the choice, we're going to touch the hot stove even when we're told not to. Even when we're told not to touch the hot stove, we're just, we're just curious, man. We've got to figure it out. And that's what, that's what happens here in Genesis chapter 3. Okay, God set them up perfectly. You're like me. You're in my image. You get to rule over everything. Eat whatever you want. Multiply. Just don't eat this one thing. Man, that's like the dream. That's the dream. But, but here's what they did with the dream, man. They, they ruined it. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, If ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And there's a lot I want to share about this, but we we got to keep moving. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and the eyes of them were both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And so they went against the word of God, and for the first time in their existence, they experienced the weight of sin. And you know when you do something really stupid, and you just wish that you could take it back, and you just you just lay in bed and you dwell on, man, if I just wouldn't have done this one thing. Man, the weight of what you've done just is just compounding. Imagine experiencing that for the first time ever when all you've ever known is perfection. And they experienced the full gravity of sin. They lost something in that moment that man still hasn't recovered from today. In that moment, Adam and Eve died spiritually, losing the image of God in the process. Look at this. Genesis 5 Verse 1. And this is the book of the generation of generations of Adam and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. Okay, so wh- what do we know based on Genesis 1, 26 and, and, and 27? That Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God, right? 
Because remember that Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God. Well, let's look at what happened after they sinned. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. You, get, you notice the difference there? What did, they, what did they lose? The image and likeness of God. Remember this. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And Adam begat a son in his own image or likeness after his image. And from that moment on, all of humanity is today, we're still born in the image and likeness of man. You were born in the image and likeness of your parents. We were born after the image and likeness of Adam. Broken. The weight of, the weight of their sin is still upon us today. Because, because of their choice today, every, every human being is born without the image of God. Not only did they lose the image and likeness of God, but to top it all off, sin, their sin leads to death. Man, they were going to live forever, but, but they sinned, and, and then they eventually were going to die. Not only did they die physically, but they died inside spiritually. We saw that whenever they, they were sewed fig leaves on because they felt they, they felt the death of their spirit. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. God is, God is going to pay. You're going to pay the wages for your sin. And that's death. God's going to pay you with death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some of the best words in the Bible. This is the absolute worst news that you've ever heard and ever will hear. The wage of sin is death. You're born in the image and likeness of man that has fallen, destined for death. So where does that leave us today? You, like Seth, were born in the likeness of man, eternally separated from God, destined for a place referred to as the lake of fire. Let's read this. Let's read about this death, this eternal death. Revelation 20 Verse 11. Look, I'm not trying to, this is not me, I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. This is what, this is where every human being, when they're born, is headed. Look, I have a, I have a, a 10 month old daughter, and this is where she's headed. If, if something doesn't happen. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. If you want to live by your works, you can be judged by them. That's what's going on right here. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, were, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is absolutely 
wholeheartedly the worst imaginable news. Because you were born, that's where we're headed. Just because you were born. This is a bleak reality that few of us have ever contemplated. We live in a world where people don't, we don't even worry about what, what really matters. I'm petitioning for you to, to contemplate this tonight. Because the crazy, about, the crazy part of all this was that this place wasn't ever intended for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. Look at this. Matthew 25, 41. And, and then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Man was never intended for this place. God did not intend for man to end up there. But because we joined in with the devil with the rebellion of the devil, that's where we're headed. Let that sink in. Consider that. But luckily for us, God did not want it that way. Man, smile because God didn't want you there. And so God made a way. He stepped in and did something about it. So let's look at God's intervention. Let's look at God's intervention. Have you ever wondered why it is significant that Jesus was born of a virgin? You ever, you ever, ever thought about that? I mean, other than that being like a cool, a, a cool party trick, like, yeah, he didn't have, a, he didn't have a physical dad, like, like, why? Why does that matter? Well, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord. Let me let's 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 prove this text out. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and and shall call his name Emmanuel. Right, Matthew one eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus was born of a virgin. He doesn't have a physical father. Maybe maybe you could draw some conclusions as to why that may be important. Because because Adam or Seth was born of his father. And he was born in the image and likeness of his dad. Right? Well well Jesus, he was he was uh is this going to work for me? No. Okay. Well, he was uh, with child. She was with child of the Holy Ghost. She was. Jesus is a supernatural birth from God. The virgin birth of Jesus changed everything because he was born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Jesus was born of the Spirit. Jesus is the perfect Son of God, born in the image and likeness of God. That's that's why it's so important that we that we believe in the, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ because he doesn't have a physical father to corrupt him. That, am I making sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Jesus is the perfect Son of God. He came to do what the first Adam could not do. First Corinthians fifteen forty five, and so it is written: the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So, so the first Adam, anybody want to take a stab at who the first Adam is? It's in the, it's in the name Adam. It's a hint. Anybody want to guess? 
Anybody want to say it? Adam. Very intelligent. And anybody want to take a stab at who the last Adam is? If, if you say the typical Sunday school answer, you'd probably be correct. Jesus. Okay. So the first Adam was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit, a livening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which uh, is spiritual, but that which is natural. So Adam, was a, was a, he wasn't a spiritual birth, he was a natural birth. And afterward, Jesus, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth. The first man being Adam, right? The second man, earthy, right? The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And so this is, the, this is the pattern that we see throughout Scripture. God is always using the second born. He's always using the second birth. If you think of the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau was, was the big bro. Jacob was the second born. God chose to use Jacob. He became Israel. Okay? If we think of Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was the firstborn, but who did God use? Isaac. Okay, Now, Jesus and Adam, right? Adam was the firstborn of God, but who did God use? Jesus. It, it, the, the picture goes on and on. And Jesus came, the Bible says that Jesus came in to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is the secondborn, born of the Spirit, that came to seek and save that which was lost. But the spiritual picture does not stop here. In Christ, we have the opportunity to find that which was lost. God wants, uh, God wants to change your Im- the image of man back to the image of God in your life. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's redeeming the image of God in you, the likeness of God in you. That's what Jesus came to do. 1 Corinthians 15:49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we, all, uh, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, the, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And so what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to be reborn. God's always using the second birth. God cannot use you... Be- as as the old man. God cannot use you in the flesh. But God knew that. And, and so He sent His Son Jesus to be our hope, to be the second born, the spiritual, who we could trust in for our salvation. This leads us to the logical conclusion that you have to be reborn. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when, when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Right, so so old Nicky, he's a he's a, a philosopher, and he's like, man, how's that possible? How how can you how can I be born a second time? Am I going to climb back up in my mother's womb? Which is a pretty solid question. But Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, hey, bud. You got to be born of the water. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go to health class for just a second. I have a little bit of experience with this. I have five children. Every time, you know how I knew that my children were about to be born? My wife's water broke. Right? That which is born of the water and of the spirit. So you got to be born physically, like right? So if you're not born, I think most of you out here have been born before. Um, if you're not, but if you haven't, like that's the first qualification for you to know Christ, right? But the second step is you got to be born in the Spirit. You got to be spiritually reborn. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Adam, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit, Jesus. So if we're born of our fathers and our mothers, then we're in the flesh. And we're headed for the eternal death that we just read in the lake of fire. But God did not want it that way. So he sent his son Jesus to provide an opportunity for us to be made alive spiritually. God knew that we were lost. Wholly separated from God without hope. Destined for a place of eternal death. And we know according to scripture he didn't want it this way. Therefore, he chose to send his perfect son, Jesus, down to fix everything. To give us the ability to be restored back to, fel- to God in fellowship with him for all of eternity. John 3.16, right? We're, we're fast forwarding. He tells them that you've got to be born again. And then, he, and then he says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen to this. Listen to me. God loved you so much that He gave you His Son. I can't. I can't fathom. I, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a dirt ball. Like I, I. I can't imagine anyone giving their life for me. I can't imagine that. I've done nothing but turn my back on God my entire life. I, I deserve the second death. But God said, you know what? That little emo kid, that all, all, I was a sad boy growing up, okay? I had the, I had the emo hair and, uh, you know, I, I was all, I, I wore the tight pants and all that good stuff. That little, that little screw up, man, I love him. I love him so much that I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him the opportunity to know me through my son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, I'm pretty sure that you're, you're a part of whosoever, 
Unless I just don't know the word, the English language, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, look, the, the wage for your sin has been paid. You get life. No longer are you destined for death. In Jesus, we have the ability to be forgiven of our sin against God. Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, through Jesus' blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus, we have the ability to be sons and daughters of God. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where your physical par- who your physical parents are. You have the ability to call God your father. He wants you to be his son and do- or daughter. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, listen, listen, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. This has nothing to do with being a good little girl. It has nothing to do with being a good little boy. You understand that? It has everything to do with being born of the flesh or being born of God. God did not come to save good people. He came to forgive you. I have a bone to pick with Christianity being a moral code because it turned me off as a young man. Whenever I was your age, I couldn't stand it because I thought it was all about me being a good person. I had no idea it was about being forgiven and being free to live, uh, to live life. Being free to live unto the Lord. Now, that was the most freeing encounter of my life whenever I met Jesus in a real way. Because no longer did I have to try hard to be good. I just had to submit to the Lord. And so this is where unfeigned faith is birthed. Trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your salvation. Understanding that you have to go, you, you have to go through Jesus to get to God, to be born of God. This is the free gift that God offers to all. It's not based on your goodness. It's not based on your works. It's, it is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's another super, this is another coffee mug verse, right? But don't let it go over your head. Sometimes we need it real simple. Sometimes we need the familiar. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You understand? Do you remember when we were reading in Revelation 20? People were being judged by their works. You don't want to be judged by your works. You cannot work your way to God. It is by grace through faith. It's not, it's not by anything you can do. It's by what He can do, what He did, and, and what He wants to do in and through you. All you have to do is receive this free gift. All you got to do is, is receive the free gift of salvation. And if thou shalt confess, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So I want to demonstrate this with a picture. Can I get can I get three individuals? Okay, I see one hand. I see a hand over here. I see a hand over here. Can you guys come up here for just a second? Okay. All right. So I'm gonna have you're gonna you're gonna be like you're just gonna be you. What's your name again, buddy? Colton. Colton. Okay. And you're gonna be Jesus. Okay. So I need you to you just stand up here for just a second. You're you're gonna play God. You're gonna be God for me. Okay. So no blasphemy here. This is just a picture. So turn around for just a second. Turn like turn that way. Okay. God is perfect. He's he's just. He he's. All the characteristics of God are diametrically opposed to Colton, right? Because God loves Colton, but God cannot look upon Colton because Colton would be consumed, right? And and so God wants to restore this lost relationship. And so what did God do? By now, what what did God do? He brought Jesus into the picture. So bring Jesus into the picture. Okay, now... Now, now you can turn around and you can look. Okay, so whenever, after you get saved, this is what happens. Colton now can look to God through Jesus Christ. And what, what do you see? Do you see Jesus or do you see Colton? You see Jesus, right? The perfection, like, th- this is born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And so, this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants Jesus to step in the way. So that whenever God looks at you, He sees the perfection of Christ. He doesn't see your works. He doesn't see your... You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. What God wants to do is He, he, wants, he wants His Son to, to be the mediator. So whenever, whenever God looks at you, the only thing He sees is the perfection of His Son, Jesus Christ. He sees the image and likeness of God in us again. That's what He wants to do for you. And all you have to do is, is humble yourself, right? I don't know if you have noticed the flags, right? The white flag. You've got to raise your white flag and say, Lord, man, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. There's nothing that I can do apart from yield to you and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so if you call upon the name of the Lord, He will change you. He will mold and shape you into the image of His dear Son. Verse 21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so if you if you want to develop an and in the walk of an enduring Christian, man, it starts with an unfeigned faith, a real faith. And the only way that that, that faith can be real is if it's in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, that is the baseline. That is where unfeigned faith begins. And unfeigned faith is the beginning of the enduring Christian life. So that's the baseline. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're never going to be an enduring Christian. The rest of this week is going to be for naught if you don't know Christ. It's so important that we start camp with the foundation. 
so we have something to build on. Tonight we discuss the importance of unfeigned faith and how it's birthed by looking at God's intention. Then we looked at man's intervention or in, man's interference and then God's intervention. Right? And so if you, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is calling you to Himself right now. If you need to be saved, today is the day of salvation for you. Look, usually, I know, I know it's, it's, we usually have to wait a few days before we can sense God stirring in our hearts. But I'm telling you what, if you don't know Christ today, I can almost promise you He's stirring in your heart. He, he wants to know you. He loved you so much that He was willing to sacrifice it all for you. He put His Son on the cross so that you could, he could, that you could know Him. What a joy to be counted worthy that God would want to know me, that God would want to know you. And so, man, if, if that's you today, I just want to challenge you. Man, I want to challenge you to, to let God work in your heart. All you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Let's pray. Lord, uh, man, we, we come before you tonight. Man, I, I just can't imagine why you would do such a thing for me. Why you would step in my place on the cross, Lord. Why you would take what was rightfully mine and put it on yourself. Lord, but I'm so thankful. And God, I pray for these students. God, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That they would understand that being born is not enough. Being good is not enough. They've got to be reborn. And the only way to be reborn is to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And so, Lord, uh, man, I pray that you would just stir in our hearts, God, and that you would do what only you could do. Lord, we love you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.